Praise God. Are you happy? You know, the joy of the Lord, that's our strength. Hallelujah. It is such a, a privilege to be with you tonight. Like we mentioned last night, you know, no two services are just alike. There'll never be another time exactly like this or where we are in our life at this specific point and these, this uh, combination of people and anointings. And, and so uh, uh, the Lord brings out things in meetings like this that are forever. What the Lord does it's, it's eternal. It's, it's forever. And uh, many times there are astounding miracles that happen in the hearts of men and women, and you don't even see it when it happened. But it was the incorruptible seed of the Word of God went in. Hallelujah. Because somebody believed it. They heard it. They believed it. And they received it. And what it starts to do then, it doesn't just stay there and do nothing. It begins to develop. It begins to put roots down in you. And then it begins to develop out and affect how you see things, how you hear things, how you think. And it adjusts your course in life so that five years later, ten years later, you're a different person. You're at a different place in life. You don't think the same. You're not the same. You're being changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. From glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. Would you stand and let's agree in prayer? You know, you're not limited by what I know. The teacher is the great Holy Spirit. And we're believing together. Is that right? Father, all of us agree together as touching this, asking for the anointing, asking for the moving and working of your Holy Spirit and your holy angels in the hearts and minds and bodies and lives of everyone that, that hears and is a part. Give us, Lord, a discernment and eyes that can see and ears that can hear and answers for right now And every evil spirit that would try to confuse or hinder or distract, we shut you down. We bind you in the name of Jesus, command you to stop in all your operations, cease in all your maneuvers, in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. You know, uh, you shouldn't really go through a day without binding and loosing. Is everybody listening? Jesus said it was the keys to the kingdom of God. Didn't he? That's That's a big thing. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And uh, uh, so many times uh, Christians are just letting stuff go that they could stop. And you don't have to wait for something in a red suit with horns and a pitchfork (laughs) to resist. If it's trying to hinder you, if it's trying to harass you, 
If it's trying to hurt you, if it's trying to steal, kill, and destroy, it's not God. I said, it's not God. So don't just tolerate it. Resist it. And you got to speak up. And don't play with it. Mean business. Know who you are. Know you. I said, know who you are. And you got authority. Is that right? <laughs> the more I've learned about this, I, I do this regularly. Uh, I do it every time I travel. I do it every time I see the enemy trying to do something. What I just prayed right there, what I, uh, what I just said, that's not praying to the Father. That's speaking against the enemy. Yes, that's right. And uh, <laughs> I, I can almost hear at times demons cussing. What do you mean by that? Because they, they have got plans and they've worked on things. And when you stand up and go, I command you to stop. I bind you. They're like, blankety blank, 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 blank. Because <laughs> they, they can't do, they got to stop. They got no choice. Huh? But if you don't say anything, you tolerate it, you put up with it. Oh man, they'll do anything that you'll let them do. So uh, don't go day after day after day and you didn't bind anything. Y'all awake? Don't go day and night, day after day after day and you didn't bind anything because I assure you every morning when you open your eyes, the devil's out to hurt you. I know that's not a nice thought, but he is. He's, he's seeking whom he may devour. And anytime you recognize, well, that ain't right. What's going on there? Uh, and, and so many times people get upset with other people, not realizing we don't war against flesh and blood. That's not the deal. A lot of times it's spirits influencing people. And when you bind them, it stops. Amen. Is that okay? Amen. We'll go to John then, the 15th chapter, please. We talked last night about how your joy could be full, how you could enjoy a, a fulfilling, satisfied life. Jesus gives us what people might call the secret, but if you read the Bible, it's not a secret anymore. <laughs> John fifteen seven. are you there? So y'all believing with me, right? There's some really good things we need to get to tonight. Can you hold on and, and stay hooked? And, uh, middle of the day today, I thought I, I knew where I was going, and the Lord showed me something I hadn't seen before and thought, that's it. Glory to God. So you're going to believe we can get there. Um, John 15, 7. Jesus said, head of the church said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done to you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. We're not just believers, we're disciples. Disciples are those in training. And we're in training to function just like the Master. Never take any man or woman, no matter how godly they may be, and set them as your ultimate example. That's too low. 
And if you try to pattern yourself too much after them, you'll wind up reproducing their faults. You will. No, you press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ, in Christ Jesus. What is that? That's being just like him. Just like him. And uh, that's what he's doing in us and working in us. And so uh, fruitfulness he's talking about. He said, uh, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Now, this is not keeping commandments so you can be righteous or so you can be accepted of God. Jesus did that. Hmm? But like we touched on last night, God can, can have accepted you and, and, and accepted Jesus' righteousness on your behalf and love you and never stop loving you and at the same time not be pleased with what you're doing and how you're living and what you're not doing. Doesn't mean he forsakes you. Doesn't mean you're lost. Doesn't mean he quits loving you. But Jesus is talking about living in manifested love, which is living in an awareness of God's pleasure with you. He goes on to say, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love even as, just like I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may, might be full. Fullness of joy is the ultimate life here on earth. It's even a big part of what makes heaven heaven. One of the things that makes hell hell is no joy, no peace, no presence of God. It's the environment. No light, no life. And what makes heaven heaven is the presence of God. And in His presence, huh? In His presence is full, oh, somebody say fullness, fullness. Fullness of joy. And when you, and of course, who is God? He's love. So when Jesus is talking about abiding in his love, he's talking about abiding in his presence, living in his presence, manifested presence. And so when he says, um, that your, my joy might remain in you and your joy might be full, that is the ultimate life. That is what we read in Ephesians last night, the good life. Yeah. Because there are millions and millions on the planet, they are not joyous. They are confused. They are depressed and distracted and they are not happy. And what he's talking about is the, you, you can't get through any uh, man-made religion, you can't get through any philosophy, 
and no amount of money can give it to you. No, no amount of possessions or worldly success can give it to you. That's why some of the richest people, some of the most successful people have wound up committing suicide. Because they were absolutely hopeless. They kept thinking, well, if I get this, I'll be happy. If I reach this level, I'll be content. And they did and they weren't. And they realized it'll never happen. There's not enough money. There's not enough success. There's not enough stuff. It, it won't happen. And so people become hopeless. But Jesus is talking about fullness of joy. That's a life many people don't even think is possible. But how many believe the words of Jesus? If he said it, huh? you can have it, right? If, if you'll do what he said, because that's how it starts out. If you keep my commandments, if you do what I tell you to do, you'll live in my love and, and my, uh, verse 11, the things I've spoken to you. My joy remain in you, your joy might be full. This is my commandment. So this is the first one and the big one of what he told us to do. Do you want to be full of joy? Yes. Do you want to have this kind of life? Then he said, you got to do what I tell you. Right? So what's the first thing he told them and us? This is uh, my commandment here, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now this is talking about loving your fellow believer. And he said you do it the way I love you. This is not natural human love. This is the love that God is. And you can't even do this unless you're born again. Because if you're born again, the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit and it's a choice and you can love your enemies you can love people that hate you and do you wrong and persecute you because it's a choice huh that God kind of love is greater than anything there is no weapon formed that can prosper against the love of God there is no effective weapon. None. <laughs> and there are so many reasons why the Lord told us to do this. So many. The further I go, you just keep seeing more reasons and other reasons. But you don't have to understand all the reasons. Just do what he said. Right? And as you go, you'll find out all the wonderful reasons why. What did he say? What did he command us? He didn't say try to do it. A number of your modern translations are not actually translations. A lot of parts of them are paraphrase. They're not telling you what the scripture said. They're telling you what they think it means. You want to watch out for that. Uh, and this is one of them. A number of modern translations uh, even in the New Testament, there are several places where it'll say, try to do this or do your best. The Lord never told you to try to do anything. 
Come on, are y'all listening? He never told you to try to do. Somebody says, well, well, why? Because that would imply one of two things. Either you couldn't do it, or he didn't know if you could or not. Hmm? So when the Lord tells us, love each other, just like I love you, can you do it? Well, for one thing, his word is empowerment. When he tells you to do something, the power came with the word. Do you believe that? It's like when Peter said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. He said, come. Well, before he said, come, Peter couldn't. But after he said, come, Peter can. Is that right? So when the Lord tells you, do this, never question it. Because his words, his commands are enablements. His commands are empowerment. Can you say amen? amen? So then I want us to get into tonight. How do you do that? Okay, I can live a life full of joy. I can live a life content and and aware of the presence of God, a completely victorious life, if I'll do what the Lord told me. And one of the first things he told me to do was to love. The big thing, the main thing. How do you do that? How do you do that? Well, like we've already mentioned, it's a choice, but I want to get into some specifics. You up for it? You okay? You got time? (laughs) Uh, Matthew 16, if you want to go there and notice. Matthew 16, and uh, 23. 16 and 23. Jesus began to tell them that he was going to the cross and what was going to happen. And uh, Peter took him aside (laughs) and said, no, Lord. (laughs) How many realize that's a bad idea? (laughs) But it just helps you to see how comfortable they, they were with him. Right? And how... Jesus did not walk around with a halo over his head. Isaiah said there was no form or comeliness about him that we would desire him. A lot of people met Jesus walking down the street and didn't know who he was. And the leaders of the the synagogue and what have you, the Jews, they hated him. They saw him, and sometimes people say, well, you know, if if you really saw Jesus as he is and heard him, you'd love him. That sounds good, but it ain't true. Hmm? There's all kinds of people have heard the truth and they don't like it. They don't want it. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father and God's in us. I know we hadn't always acted like it, but he's in us. And so there have been manifestations of him through us and through his words and through his ministry and through his church and people see it and they don't like it. So no, it's a choice. And thank God you and I are not lost, but he, he chose us and we love him. Do you? Jesus said, verse 23, he turned around and he said, Peter, get behind me. <laughs> no, he said, he said to Peter, Satan, get behind me. <laughs> Ooh. And uh, 
you don't savor the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And Jesus said to the disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Now he's talking about being a disciple now. Not, not just a believer, a disciple. Let him come after me. Let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. How do you do that? What does that mean? I mean, we've read it, we've heard it, but how, how do you apply that tonight and tomorrow and at work and at home? For whoever will seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake, and other, other uh, accounts of the gospel say, and the gospels shall find it. So he, he gives explanation of what it means to take up your cross and follow him. It's what's involved in it is forsaking your life. Right? And we talked about that last night. If you want to be miserable in life, no hands I saw, no hands at all. <laughs> if you want to be really miserable, then think about yourself all the time and pursue your plans for your life. You will be a failure. No matter how much money you ever make, and no matter what you're involved in or what your, your, your picture is on, what billboard. <laughs> because you, we talked about this last night, you were not made to live your own life. And you were not made to serve yourself. You were not. We got into that last night. You were made to serve God that's your purpose. That's why you exist. True or not? And as a Christian, even your body is not your own. You've been bought with a price. Is that what the scripture says? 1 Corinthians 6. Everything on my, you don't even own yourself. You hear people say, well, it's my body. Then you're not a Christian, I guess. I don't know. But if you really are a Christian, you're misinformed. It's not your body. It's his. And bigger than that, it's not your life. It's not your life. It's his. How do you take up your cross and follow him? What is the cross? The cross is service. The cross is sacrifice. And how do I do that? I live to serve. I'm willing to sacrifice. To accomplish that service. Now that message hasn't been popular. In the, in the modern generation. Like we mentioned last night. Brother Billy Graham. He talked about this. He said many now are not preaching the, the gospel. The real gospel. He said, they're preaching what I call easy believism. What does that mean? All you got to do is believe in God. And then, you know, look to him to help you live your best life. 
So what people have done is make God an add-on to their life to help them pursue their plans and agendas and what they want to do in their mind and success. And that is absolutely wrong. That's not the Bible. That's not what Jesus said. That's not what he did. Y'all are too quiet. (laughs) Real Christianity involves total commitment. Is that right? A forsaking of the ungodly. Is that right? And a willingness to sacrifice it all. Is that right? To die for the master. To die for the, to give your life for the gospel. But that can happen real quick and be over. It can be more challenging to live. (laughs) Is that right? And so even well-meaning parents, you know, they'll tell their children, son, daughter, You know, you're great. You're amazing. You can be anything you want to be when you grow up. You can do anything you want to do. You know, just trust God. He will help you. This is wrong. This is not true. You can do anything you want to do. That doesn't mean it'll be successful. If you're a Christian, if you're a believer, it's not for you to decide what you want to be. And what you want to do. That's already been decided for you. We read last night. The Lord has a plan. Is that right? It's not for you to decide what you want to be. Try 20 different things. And do every, you know, waste 40, 50 years of your life trying to figure out who you are. That's craziness. And deception. No, it's already been decided. I have a Lord. I am not my own Lord. I'm not put here to try to live my best life and accomplish my dreams. Uh Uh-uh. I was made for his purpose. I exist for his use. Is this true or not? I mean, read about how Jesus taught. He said, I didn't come to do my own will. I don't seek my own glory. I can't do anything of myself. I do always those things that please the Father. Is that right? Yes. Jesus never did anything just because he decided to. Amen. According to him. No, you will not find joy in that. God has mercy on ignorance. He does. And so many are such babies. And he knows. I'm, that's not an exaggeration. When the Lord in the scripture says, my little children, it's not a figure of speech. Uh, You got to remember, how old are you? How old is he? How long has he been around? What's he seen? I mean, if you're a million years old, you'll be a baby to him. No, I exist to please him. The reason I have a body and a brain, the reason I have existence, the reason I have oxygen to breathe and gravity to hold my feet on the ground is because there is a God, a creator. And in his kindness and mercy, he chose me. And you, hallelujah. And my life, I will never have a fulfilling, satisfying life 
if I don't live it for him. If I don't commit to him and say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. What do you want? Hmm? In the early days of my, uh, my life in ministry, there were a couple of times this happened that I, I got it in my mind that I really wanted to do this thing. And so I would try to talk to the Lord about it. He wouldn't talk to me about it. <laughs> and, you know, of course, I'm so immature. And, and uh, so finally, you know, I, uh, I kind of pushed it and, and the Lord let me do it. How many know there's a difference between him letting you do something and him directing you to do something? You know, when Israel wanted a king. Remember that? Samuel told him, no, this ain't the plan. This is how God set it up. Yeah, but we want a king. And, and God said, okay. Even told him who to pick. But it wasn't his idea, and they had all kinds of problems with it. God will let you do what you want to do. And so I did, I, did, I did some stuff with that. Man, it didn't work out good. And so a year or two later, I did the same thing. You know, I guess I was a little bit slow to catch on. But something I thought, you know, this is it. I wanted to do, and it's not something the Lord told me to do. But I thought, you know, you got to be what you got to watch about trying to be led by needs, by desires, by opportunities. None of these are being led by the Holy Spirit, or by what other people think. And finally, after about three disasters in three or four years, I literally put my nose on the carpet and I said, God. I don't want you to let me do anything else. <laughs> Have mercy. What do you tell me? I'm not bringing you something to you. Can we do this? I want to do this. See, that's babyish. You come to him and go, you tell me. And more than once, it was something that I thought I, I didn't want to do. It wasn't my call. And... Uh, you know, people struggle with that. Well, no, that's, uh, that's not me. According to who? What do you know? And one day, sitting at the, at the signal light, waiting for it to change, I had a revelation. Nobody was in the car except me and God. I mean, it hit me. I said, that's right. You know what the revelation was? God is smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> you might say, Brother Keith, you didn't know that? Well, I, I would have thought I did. But, it, 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 you know, there's always more light, more understanding. And, and I realized he made me. He knows what graces are in me and what are not. He knows the future. He knows everything about all these things. And so I, I really, Jesus said, I delight to do your will, O God. It was prophesied. And I delight to do your will, O God. That's a choice irrelative of your feelings or your plans. And I saw it. That's what I've got to do. When, when I've got something that I thought, oh, yeah, 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 this is it, this is it, this is me, this is, and, and I, I go to the Lord, and he says, no, that's not what I want you to do. You go, right, yeah. Now that you say it, I don't like it either. Uh-uh. No, you don't. 
and your head's going, oh yeah, that's it. You say, shut up, shut up. God's smarter than you. Is that right? Even when your heart's going, that's what I wanted to do. You're so, you say, shut up. And then when it's something that, you know, then this has happened to me not long after that. Something I thought wasn't my call, wasn't my ministry. And the Lord directed me to do it. And, and I struggled with it a little bit. I thought, Lord, I never thought that was my call. And finally he said, quit trying to figure it out, just obey me. And I, uh, and I remembered what he had shown me and I went, right, right. Now that, now, now that I see it, <laughs> uh, if you like it, I like it. I delight to do your will, oh God. And my head was going, no, no. You say, shut up, shut up. I delight to do, I want you to say it out loud. I delight to do your will, oh God. That, that's got nothing to do with how you feel or what you thought. Come on, say it again. I delight to do your will, oh God. Come on, say it out loud. Not my will, but your will be done. And not just, okay, I'll do it. No, I delight. I delight. With God, it's always about the heart. And you might have got away with your parents or grandma when you're going, well, okay, I'll do it. And stomping around, <laughs> slamming the door. They might have let that go. They shouldn't have. But with God... That is absolutely unacceptable. And it would make any sacrifice that you did unacceptable. There is no gift that's big enough or great enough or hard enough that impresses God by itself. There's no amount you could give. There's no amount of work. He creates planets. You understand? You're not going to shock him with a big check. <laughs> He's like, go, Michael, did you see how much that was? Man? Never, never, never. But what you can do, you can reach him with your heart. Huh? If your heart, you do it out of real love. You do it out of willingness. So somebody say willingness. 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 And that's a choice. Not just based on your feelings. You do it out of willingness. It makes your service, your gift, whatever, it makes it acceptable yes. to him. You know what the scripture said? If there first be a willing heart, a willing mind, it's acceptable then according to what you have, not what you don't have. Say it again, I delight. I delight. See, not, not just I'll do it. I delight, I delight. to do your will. To do your will. Oh God. oh God, I live, I live to, please you. to please you. I am at your command. Hallelujah. This is the path to the greatest life possible. The fullness of joy. The living, abiding in his love and presence. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Go with me, please, to 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. We're going to get into now what the Lord was dealing with me about today that I mentioned earlier. A specific how to keep the commandment of love. 
When he says, love each other the way I love you. We just got through seeing. He said, uh, come after me and follow me and take up your cross. And the very next verse, we see he's talking about how, how do you do that? Well, Jesus didn't pursue his own life. He laid his own life down. And in service to God and to us. So when we're talking about carrying your cross, nobody can carry the cross that Jesus carried in the sense of redeeming mankind. Nobody could do that. So what's he talking about? Your cross. My cross is not to redeem mankind. What's my cross? My cross, his cross was service and sacrifice out of love and commitment to the Father and love for us. He completely laid down his life. Didn't he do it? The greatest expression of love is giving. The Lord said that to me some decades ago. When he first said it, I thought, is that right? (laughs) And while I was thinking about it, the verse came to me, for God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Gave. The greatest expression of love is giving. And so when the Lord tells us, love one another as I have loved you, what's he saying? Give. Not just money, not just things. That, that's, that could be included. But those are some of the lesser value things of giving your time, giving your attention, giving your uh, favor, giving your friendship, giving your loyalty. Is that right? Being there when somebody needs you. I mean, but giving. And how many understand that's going to um, interfere with your life? (laughs) Everybody likes to sit up in church and go, amen. Yeah, that's right. But when are you going to do that? Huh? It's going to cost you. You know, uh, Paul said by the Spirit concerning the churches he ministered to, he said, I I will gladly spend and be spent for you. Well, see, that's like Jesus. Isn't it? That's like the Master. I will gladly spend and be spent for you. That's the Spirit of the Christ. And it's also the key to having the most joy. Huh? The devil will try to lie to you. Oh, man, you'll be miserable trying to do that. No, you won't. You'll be more full of joy than you've ever been. And you'll be, because it's what you were made to do. One of the most awful lives there is, is a life of uselessness. Uselessness. Because you, you, you couldn't be satisfied with that. Because it's not what you were designed and made to be. You you have a purpose. And your purpose is to serve God and his people. And you got graces and you got gifts and you got talents and you got resources to do it. And the more you will do it, the more resources he will give you. They will increase. In 1 Peter, did you find it? 1 Peter 4. 
The Lord gave me this word. And I didn't quite see it at first, but it is such a huge part of this. 1 Peter 4 and 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. The word is hospitality. Did you hear the response? <laughs> Did you know there's quite a bit in the scriptures about this? I mean, quite a bit. We're going to see it tonight. Huh? Everybody say it out loud. Hospitality. 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 Our modern generation, that word doesn't have much appeal to them. It sounds old school. You know, just frivolous, uncomfortable etiquette or whatever. Or maybe it's a southern thing or maybe it's a this thing or that. No, it's a God thing. It's a godly thing. It's a Christian thing. It's a big part of keeping the love command. And it's one of the biggest things you'll ever do to reach the ultimate desires of your own heart. I see not everybody's convinced about that. You watch and see. You watch and see. Say it out loud. Hospitality. Hospitality. Say it again. Hospitality. Hospitality. The word literally means fond of guests or a lover of guests. And here again, notice what he said uh, to do. Read it again. Offer, the NIV says, well, let's read the King James first. He said, uh, use hospitality one to another, what? Without grudging. The NIV says, without grumbling. Oh man, this is such a big deal. What do you mean? Ah, oh, somebody showed up, didn't they? Oh, we got a meeting this week. I guess we'll have to do this. You're not doing the scripture. Hmm? It's that some of that same stuff. I'll do it. <laughs> Is that a desire to serve? No. What is that? That's a complaint and an irritation that your life has been interrupted. And, and so you, you're not wanting to carry your cross. You're not wanting to turn loose of your life. <laughs> or elsewise, you'd be excited about an opportunity to serve. Right? We're going to make it, guys. Just stay with me. We're, we're going to make it. If I'm reading scriptures, it's got to be right, don't you think? Don't you think? I'm reading the NIV again. Offer hospitality to one another. Now, again, this is your fellow believer. One another. Without grumbling, 
Each one should use whatever gift he has received to do what? Serve others. So hospitality is an encompassing thing of serving. Serving. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Why, why are you graced? To serve others. To love others, which is to give to others, and to serve others. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Hospitality, service. Sit out loud, I am saved, I am saved to serve. serve. Now see, we read that in Ephesians 2 last night. And what else are we seeing here tonight? I am graced to serve. I am graced to be hospitable. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter where you grew up. Doesn't matter your background or culture, generation or age. The Bible supersedes all of that. Right? And it's true for every believer. Say it again. I am saved to serve. I am saved to serve. And I am graced to serve. serve. Go to Romans 12, please. Romans 12. I know I'm kind of doing this line by line, but I want want to make sure you know I'm I'm not making this up as I go along. (laughs) This is, it is written. And how did did we start off with our text? So that your joy. Is that right? So that your joy may be full. You will never be happy trying to make yourself happy. It will not happen. No matter what you buy, what you do, where you go, what you think, it'll leave a hole on the inside. Because that's not what you were made to do. That's not, that's not the purpose that we serve. We were created for God's pleasure. We were created to serve Him. We, we saw in Revelation last night, that's our future. Not harp playing and cloud surfing. But the Bible kept saying that his people are going to be before his throne and they're going to serve him. They're going to serve him night and day. That's our future is service for God. And it's the highest call in the universe. Hallelujah. And since we are the creation of God and that's what he created us to do, it's the only thing that will ever make us happy. We're not designed to do anything else. Now the devil, he broke ranks. He tried to put himself up. He was lifted up with pride. He said, I will be like the most high. See, he's trying to promote himself, to exalt himself. And that's what got him cast out and cast down. And he's now called the God of this world. And he is influencing this whole planet to do what he did. 
Live for yourself. Is that right? Seek your own glory. Pursue your own dream. And it'll only result in failure and misery. And it's, we understand, non-believers don't know it, but we ought to know better. I said, we ought to know different. Because we got the book. Romans 12, are you there? Romans 12, 13, he talks about distributing to the necessity of the saints. Given to hospitality. Say that out loud. Given. given. Each word is significant, of course. Give, what, is, what does given mean? That word given is, is translated uh, persecute. <laughs> A lot of times. You might say, why? Because to persecute means to chase. To chase after. Intently. But in this point, we're, we're not chasing somebody to try to hurt them. What are we doing? We're chasing somebody to bless them. Huh? Show some hospitality. Chasing, pursuing hospitality. The Amplified says, contribute to the needs of God's people. Pursue the practice of hospitality. Somebody say, pursue it. Go after it. The Weast, I like, I like his translation. He says, with respect to the needs of the saints, being a sharer with them, eager for opportunities to show hospitality. You see, that's why the other one said, don't, don't do it grudgingly. Why? Because that means your heart's not there. You got to do it eagerly. You got to want to do it. Huh? But that's going to interfere with your schedule. Huh? <laughs> Which is your cross, your service, and your sacrifice. Uh, the message translation even said, be inventive in hospitality. That means... Uh, you believe God and use your faith to come up with things. Right? To be hospitable and bless people. Can you say amen? amen. So be it. good speed says be unfailing in hospitality. Pursue it. Be eager for opportunities. Eager. Uh, Go, go to 1 Timothy. I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture, but I've already explained why. 1 Timothy, uh, the sixth chapter, talks about being rich. Anybody interested in being rich? That is a small percentage of the crowd. Uh, there's a lot of people think, you know, rich is something to avoid because it'll take you away from God. And uh, though most of you have heard about Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr.'s ministry, who's in heaven now, and his visitations of the Lord. And one of those visitations, he said, uh, 
The head of the church told him, he said, uh, he's teaching him about being led by the Spirit. He said, if you'll learn how to be led by my Spirit, if you learn how to follow the leadings of my Spirit, I will make you rich. Now, a lot of people wouldn't even believe that, would they? That Jesus told him, if if you'll follow the leadings of my Spirit, I will make you rich. And he said when he told him that, you know, that, that sounded different than anything he had heard. And he's, you know, pausing about it. And of course, the, the Lord knew his thoughts. And he said, the Lord said, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. Come on. I'm opposed to their being covetous. Yeah. Yeah. Money is not the root of all evil. Huh? It's the love of it. And you can love money and not have any. Is that right? You can be broke as broke can be. And all you do day and night is dream about money and want money and covet after money. Well, if you can love money and not have any, you could have a bunch of it and not love it. And God's will is that you be rich. Now, whether you are or not, that's a lot of that's up to us, but it is his will. I said it is his will. And rich is a relative thing. It's not a certain amount in your bank account. Uh, There's so much that goes with the blessing of the Lord. It's the blessing of the Lord is power. It is anointing and enablement. The blessing of the Lord enables you to get and to acquire. And the blessing of the Lord makes rich. And the blessing of the Lord, according to Ecclesiastes, enables you to enjoy something. Oh, that's a big part of it. There's a lot of folks who have a lot of stuff, but they don't enjoy it. I don't care what, how expensive the car or the house was. You can't enjoy it if you're not right with God. And if you don't have his presence, like we, like we just got through reading, you're living in his love. Now you can enjoy it. But then also, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that's another level of the blessing is that now, not only have you been empowered to acquire, you've been empowered to enjoy, but you've been empowered to help others to be empowered. Oh, glory to God. You're not just blessed, you are more blessed. More blessed. And that's why he's talking about these things. Keep reading. I'm trying to get ahead of myself. He said, verse Timothy 6, 17, charge them that are rich in this world. Get rid of the riches. No, he didn't say that. Don't be high-minded and don't trust in the riches. Don't put your faith in that. It could be gone in a flash. But trust in the living God who gives us richly All things to enjoy. God is so good. Most people just don't believe he's as good as he is. They do not. God will, if you will put him first and not the stuff and obey him, he will give you things you never imagined you would have. He will do things for you off the chart. Now, if you like, if you want the stuff more than him, he can't help you because he's not going to help you get involved in something that's going to take you away from him. And covetousness is idolatry. And your motive is so important here. 
It's not rich for the sake of being rich. It's certainly not rich for showing off. And he just got through saying, getting the big head. But, ver- but verse 18, that they what? Do good. That they be rich in what? Good works. Ready to distribute. Willing to communicate. That means share. Willing to give. He's talking about the same thing, same kind of words as in hospitality. You need way more than just enough to operate you. Let me talk over here a little bit. You need way more. Come on. People say, well, if I got enough for me and mine, you know, we're fine. No, no, that's just being self-focused. That's just trying to finance your life. Come on. No. You need to be rich enough to be rich in good works. That you are able to help buy things and do things. It takes money to be hospitable. Yes, it does. It takes money. Even if you're willing to do it and willing to put in the effort, it's still you got to pay the bills. Right? It doesn't have to be gigantic either. It's all about the heart. I know Phyllis and I, this would have been, what, 1981, I guess it is. We show up to go to Ramah in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. We were 20 years old. And uh, we come from a little country place. I mean, we were uh, 15, 20 miles outside of the nearest tiny town. Uh, you talk about country folks. <laughs> and man, when we got to Tulsa, we didn't have nearly enough money to start. And we couldn't find an apartment. And we finally found a place in one of the worst parts of town. And the furniture was awful, but it was furnished. But we could pay it. And we we really felt stretched out as we were pulling up to the, the building and uh, we're going in there and it didn't seem like we'd even have enough to pay for our registration. And we thought, you know, the enemy's saying, you have messed up. You know, why, why did you come out here? And all these things, you're just going to be so embarrassed to have to go back home, uh, a failure. And, and um, uh, across the hall from our little apartment that we're moving into, this young man and his, and his wife, these two young guys, came out and, and uh, he and she uh, said, uh, hi. We said, hi. And uh, they said, uh, who are you? And we told them, we said, uh, uh, why are you here? And we told them. And they said, well, um, uh, we don't have much. He said, but we just got uh, finishing up here a pot of beans and we got some bread. Would you like to, to come and have some with us? And for some reason, beans sounded so good to me. <laughs> right then. Why? It was more than beans. Is that right? The, just the kindness. They're, they're total strangers to us. We have never met them before. They don't know us. 
But we came into their little tiny little apartment, just like ours. Tiny little old, worn. But man, the beans smell good. <laughs> and we sat there and talked. A lot of times, the reason I'm saying this, I still remember this. That was uh, 40 years ago. You know. And I still remember it. Why? It was an act of kindness. It was an act. They were fellow believers, we come to find out. And were they loving us like Christ loves us? Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. And and how did they do it? With a bowl of beans. Is that right? And somehow or another, after eating beans with them and fellowshipping, Phyllis and I kind of perked up a little bit. And we thought, you know, we're going to make it. Right? We we can do it. And, And one thing led to another. This is so important. And you got a lot of people that are ashamed because they don't have a great big house and fancy stuff. And so they actually try to hide where they live and hide and they won't open up and they won't share and they won't do. This is not just for preachers. This is for every child of God. Be eager for opportunities to show hospitality. Pursue it. Chase it. Is that right? Go after it. And, and it doesn't have to be some big fancy thing. It doesn't have to be a great expensive thing. It, because there's a whole lot more when, when love is involved and, and, and grace and faith and these kind of things. It becomes so much bigger than a plate of food. Do y'all believe it? So it's not just rich to be rich. It's rich so you can be rich in good works. So you can absolutely pursue godly hospitality. Do you want to be rich, church? Come on, are you listening? Huh? Yeah, you do. It's God's will. It's God's plan. Not just so you can sit around and be self-satisfied, but so you can have resources. Glory to God. You can do things. You can help take care of things. You help underwrite things. Be a part of something. And it doesn't have to be giant to get started. You start right where you are. I've had a lot of high-priced meals since then. But I still remember. Huh? That bowl of beans. Hallelujah. Glory to God. They were doing what these scriptures are saying. They were sharing. They were being hospitable. They were showing kindness. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, the uh, scripture said in 1 Corinthians 16, uh, 16, 13, 14, I should say, let all things be done with charity or love. I beseech you, he said, to know the house of Stephanus that uh, they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. It's okay to have this addiction. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? Well, if you have an addiction, you got to have it. Is that right? If you got an addiction... 
If you can take it or leave it, that ain't an addiction. Huh? If you can go weeks and months without it, then you're not addicted. But if you're addicted, you, go, you don't go very long until you're going, I need my, I got to have my. And what is this? What's your fix? Ministering to, which is the word for serving. Serving somebody. You won't be able to go very long until you go, mm, I need to help somebody. <laughs> right? You look around, Lord, show me who. Need my fix. Huh? Are you willing to be addicted to the ministry to the saints? To serving the saints? Now go with me to Genesis and get ready to shout. You ever shouted in Genesis? Boy, there's a lot to shout about over there. Genesis 18. Genesis 18. Abraham is given to us as an example of faith, as an example of pleasing God. It's important to, to note that Abraham's, Romans chapter 4 gets into this and other passages, but Abraham's relationship with God wasn't based on the law at all. There was no law. For instance, Abram tithed. Is that right? Yes. And, so, and you hear people say, well, you know, I, no need doing that. that. That's under the law. They just show their lack of understanding yeah. of the scriptures. Yeah. Ab Abraham tithed. He, he gave God a, a tenth of what God blessed him with. And his sons and his grandsons did too. They learned it from him. Abraham, Isaac did, Jacob did. Right? They, they did it. Why? There was no law. There was no requirement. They did it out of honor. As to God was their source. Is that right? And they did it in gratitude. Abraham walked by faith. Before the law. Before the master came. Before any of that. Astounding. And that's why he will always be called a father of faith. And he's called a father to us. And we're called the seed of Abraham. Because Christ after the flesh is the seed of Abraham. Is that true? And so everything you see, people nowadays are making a terrible mistake neglecting the Old Testament. Because they see it as not applying to us today. And, and nothing to be further from the truth. There is no such thing as an out of date word of God. Everything God ever said was perfect and right when he said it. Will always be perfect and right. And any parts of the law that don't apply is because Jesus fulfilled it. Is that right? Yeah. He, he said, I didn't come to destroy the law. Yeah. 
I came to fulfill. And the reason we don't offer blood sacrifices, I mean, if he hadn't come, we should be. But the reason we don't anymore is because Jesus came, the spotless lamb of God, hallelujah, and once and for all obtained eternal redemption. So there is no more sacrifice for sin. That's it. And the reason we don't stone each other for committing sins is because Jesus went to the cross. He paid the price for the sin. So now mercy is available to anybody. Oh, somebody say, thank God. But the Ten Commandments, for instance, they're absolutely as true and right as they have ever been. Huh? How many think it's still a good idea? Don't worship and serve any other God except God. Still a good idea? Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't murder. Is that right? These things are just as right as they have ever been. And the Bible said, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Why? Because if you're led by the Spirit, you will do what the Spirit of God said in all of the Word without even knowing it. But if you're violating any part of the Word of God, any part of the Old Testament, you're not being led by the Spirit. Because God never contradict Himself. So what does that mean, Brother Keith? Pay attention to the whole Word of God. Notice how much what we call the old is quoted in the new. And it's not quoted like it's old, it's quoted like it's current. How'd we get into that? Is it true? (laughs) Well, because we're going to Genesis. Are you there? So Abraham is a current example for us to live today. You want to learn everything you can about how Abraham walked with God, how he had faith, how he lived, how he thought, how he obeyed, because he was doing none of that because of any law or any rule. He got it straight from God. Hmm? And how many know God does not change? Ever. If it was right then, it's right now. It'll always be right. And what we see here in this passage is such an anointed, amazing example of hospitality. Hmm? Are you there? Abraham and Sarah were greatest examples of hospitality. It's not just an Eastern thing. It's not just a Southern thing. It's not just an old thing. It is a God thing. Are y'all with me, Christians? Somebody say it's a God thing. It's a God. What's a God thing? Hospitality. Now in Genesis 18, have you got time for us to deal with this? This is a special meeting. Right? I know some years ago, a service went long. It was way back years ago. I was a little bit fidgety. And then it went longer. (laughs) And I was sitting on this side of the auditorium. And I was trying to act cool, but I was like, "Mm, come on, come on, come on, come on. 
And the Lord spoke. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, like he'll speak to every Christian if you learn how to listen. He said, uh, what's your rush? And I realized he wants an answer. Uh, what's, what's my rush? Now, I mean, the, there ain't no, ain't no point in trying to play with him. About, you, you better as straight as you know how. And he said, what's your rush? What are you rushing away from? And what are you rushing to? I sat there a minute. I thought, well, I'd be rushing away from uh, prayer and scripture reading to a sandwich <laughs> and the news. <laughs> and when you say it like that, it sounds not so spiritual. <laughs> But everybody's flesh is that way. Your flesh is just naturally impatient and antsy. And you got to watch that because it can cost you missing things of God. Don't be concerned. I'm not planning on going to midnight. But how many think we ought to get, we ought to, get to the end of this? Is that right? If you prayed. I prayed. Let's, let's get to the right way. Genesis 18. Are you there? This is so wonderful. This is so wonderful. The Lord appeared to him, Abraham, in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. That's maybe like today, here. <laughs> Hot day, and he's there in his tent. One thing I want to remind you of, he's old. He's probably 98 or something here. And uh, really rich. Not just rich. Multi, multi-billionaire. He's rich. And uh, he lifts up his eyes and looked. And lo, three men stood by him. He could see them not far from him, and he didn't know who they were. When he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door. 98. Ran to meet strangers. Bowed down to them himself toward the ground. And he said, My Lord, if now I've found favor in your sight, pass not away, I pray you, from your servant. A little, little water, I pray you, be fetched, and, and wash your feet, and, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I'll fetch a morsel of bread, and, and comfort your hearts. And after that, you can pass on, for therefore, that, that's why you're come to your servant. And they said, uh, go ahead, do, do what you said. Is this hospitality? This is hospitality of a level and caliber that most people don't even think about nowadays. He's, he's the patriarch. He's the elder. He's, he's got at least hundreds and hundreds of people that work for him, probably more than that. All his herds, all his flocks, all this stuff. And he gets up personally. And runs out. 
And he's so polite. And I think one thing, for sure one thing, is when he got close to him and he saw him, he realized these, these are godly. Godly. And so that made all the more difference there. He perceived that these were representatives of God. They were, they were even more than that. He didn't realize. But how many of the Bible said uh, to be watchful to entertain strangers? Yes. Isn't that what it said? Yes. New Testament said? Because some have entertained angels unawares. Well, that, if you were unaware, that would mean they look just like normal people. That's why you'd know it. And that's what happened here on this day. But notice his response. This is our father in the faith. We are the seed of Abraham. Should we act like this? Was he eager? Is that right? Was he eager for an opportunity to show hospitality? Was he? He's rich. Huh? You know who this is like? God himself. God is rich. You know what he wants to do? He delights in showing mercy. He delights in it. For you and I to delight in doing things for people is godlike. Huh? That's why we see this with Abram. So they said, yeah, um, go ahead, do it. So Abraham hurried to the tent to Sarah. Remember, he's got all kind of people to work for him. And he runs over to the tent to Sarah. He said, said, baby, come here, come here. Now you got to remember, she's 88, 89. And uh, he said, uh, hurry up. And get quickly three measures of fine meal and knead it and make cakes on the hearth. Of course, there's no microwave. <laughs> there's no drive-through. Everything, you got to start with a handful of flour. Got to build a fire. And Sarah said, well, who are they? No, baby, I, I can't. I got a nail appointment at three. <laughs> Get one of the staff to do it. Now you're laughing. And it is kind of funny, but this is a big failure that folks are not realizing. Because if it involves the things of God, everything else should be postponed. Immediately, without hesitation, Hmm? And does everybody do that? No. No, it's the exception, not the rule. People say, well, I got, you know, we got soccer practice. If your kids come first, God is not. If your family is first, God is not. If your spouse is first, God is not first. There's only one first place. Is that right? And spiritual people discern when this is a thing of God. Okay, forget about everything else. 
Is that right? Yeah, but I've been planning on that for six months. Don't make any difference. These are the things of God. Okay, God, you have our full attention. Is that, is that what we see here? He went to her and immediately she said, okay, okay. She responded. Didn't she? And then Abraham, verse 7, he ran. Huh, isn't this something? 98. Joe, Joe. Of course, everybody works for Abraham around here. Joe, yes, sir, yes, sir. Go get me that, that fatted calf. And I want you to hurry up and dress it. And I want some of the nicest steaks you've ever cut. He said, yes, sir. He said, I mean, right now, quick. He said, I'm on it, sir. Turned around. Abraham is overseeing this person. And he's old. And he's rich. And he's got people that can do stuff for him. Why is this in the book? And in the New Testament, it keeps telling us, not once, not twice, repeatedly. Practice hospitality. Pursue hospitality. Be eager for hospitality. Why? Because it is a big part of keeping the law of command. How do you love each other? How do you take up your cross? You're willing to serve and you're willing to sacrifice to accomplish the service. That's what Jesus did to the cross. So uh, he took the butter and the milk and the calf which he had dressed and he set it before them. And then he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. Now get this picture. He didn't sit down with them. You see that? Why is he standing over there? In case they need a refill. I'm telling you. He's standing over there watching. You know, it makes a lot of difference whether we get up, whether we meet people, how we respond, what we do, the Bible says, give honor to whom honor is due. Amen. Is that right? How do you do that? It's too easy to be lazy and self-focused. Right. Huh? The big problem is, no, I got things going on. I don't have time for that. Yeah, your life. And if you pursue your life, you will lose it. Jesus said, and you won't be happy. No matter how much you get, no matter how much you accomplish, your life will never satisfy you. Come on. Only a life of service. That's what we were made to do. Abraham, at 98, had learned this. He knew this. And so he's sitting there in his tent early in the morning, needing his fix. <laughs> Come on, hell, listen. <laughs> I haven't been able to help anybody in any serious way in three or four days. <laughs> and then these three guys show up and go, oh, praise God, praise God. He got up, got it in gear, and he ran over there. And then when he got to him, he thought, ooh, godly, godly, because he knew God. Yes, yeah. 
godly, godly. So, I mean, he really, he goes all out now. He goes, uh, let me, please, please, turn in. Rest a while. Uh, let me get you something to drink. Uh, let me get you some food. Rest yourself. Let me take care of you. And then when they said, okay, made him happy. Yeah. Oh, Abraham's happy now. He runs over to Sarah. He didn't have to explain it. They've been married a lot of years. Is that right? She respected him enough. And first Peter talks about that. Said she called him Lord. Is that right? It's, it's a, maybe a high degree of sir kind of thing in our vernacular. But she respected him. Why? Because he lived a life in front of her that was respectful. And when he comes and says, hey, this is important. Let's get this. She dropped everything. And she, she herself did it and oversaw it. And here they bring out. And so here comes these people serving. And they brought the plates. And, and they brought the utensils. And, and they brought this. And they brought that. And, and so Abraham's standing over there and by them. And, and, uh, and, and when they looked up, he said, uh, you want some more? You want some seconds? And, uh, okay. All right. Come on. Need, need, need another steak. And... Uh, now, give me another potato and, and, and how about some more butter to go with that? Yes, yes sir. <laughs> <laughs> Is this just being nice? No, no it's being godly. Yes. Godly. It is a part of keeping the New Testament commandment. And all the scriptures in the New Testament that refer to serving and hospitality, they're not just there as niceties. It's about the heart. It's about being so unselfish. Living to give. Living to serve. And not just doing it, enjoying it. Delighting in it. No grudging about it. Eager to do it, want to do it. Now notice what happens next. They said, uh, where's Sarah, your wife? He said, she's right there in the tent. He might have said, uh, that was her biscuits. <laughs> she can make a biscuit, can't she? <laughs> And uh, <laughs> the angel said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Hold up. Whoa. 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 This is what they've been believing God for and standing for for decades. I mentioned to you earlier. This is the way to the fulfillment of the desires of your heart. Is anybody awake? Huh? What if they hadn't had time for these men? What if they had just referred them down the road? You know, there's a place you can stay over there. I'm not saying that you're supposed to try to pick up every stranger you see. You still need to be led by the Spirit. But when the Lord quickens you about something, 
especially when he quickens you about, this is the Lord. This is the Lord's people. This is the Lord's things. Now then, it's on. Everything gets postponed. Is that right? All our focuses and energies are here. It's time to show hospitality. It's time to show love. Is that right? It's time to show honor. The word honor means value. To honor somebody just means you're treating them like they're important. And you're treating them like they're more important than your schedule. Or the things you were doing, the things you had planned. We've all got stuff that we're doing. we all got stuff that we planned. And it's sad. You, you see it. People at the store, people on the street. So many people are just completely engulfed in their little world. All they know is what I've got going and where I've got to go and what I've got to do. And they're not happy. Can't be. It's not what you were made to do. But people will run over you and be rude and push you out of the way. Why? Because they got places to go. Well, we do too. Right? But see, that's not letting the love of God dominate you. That's not following in the footsteps of your father Abraham. What if they hadn't invited them in? What if they hadn't made the effort to do this? This is the answer they've been believing God for all their life, so much so that there were times they had completely given up and said, it's too late. And you know, they tried the thing with Hagar and said, well, we'll do it this way. And now after all these years and all these tears and all these talks and all this stuff, it happens at the end of a meal. Come on, are y'all with me or not? It happens at the end of a meal. They didn't do it to try to get anything from these men. They don't even know them. They don't know who they are, what they are. They just did it because this is who they are. But at the end of the meal, they get the answer their heart has been crying for for years. Boom. The messenger of God sat back and go, that was a good steak. <laughs> and those biscuits, uh-huh. Now let me tell you something. That child y'all been wanting for all these years. This time next year, he's coming now. It was such a big deal that Sarah back in the tent, she said, You've got to be joking. Has he taken a good look at us? <laughs> How old we are. And, and, and then as she thought about it, she went, <laughs> Cuss, Cuss, that's funny. And the, the angel said, who laughed? He said, Sarah laughed at that, didn't she? And she said, uh-uh. <laughs> he said, yeah, you did. Oh my. Do you see the connection, church? What if they hadn't been hospitable? 
What if they hadn't shown love and kindness? What if they hadn't gone out of their way, allowed their day to be interrupted? What if they hadn't done it? Would they have missed their answer that day? Yes. Well, it needed to happen this way, we can see. And uh, verse 16, the men rose up from there and looked towards Sodom and Sodom, rather, and notice what else, what happened next. Abraham went with them to bring them on their way. What does that mean? He didn't just say, glad y'all could drop by. No, he, he, he starts out with them. He's going to walk with them a ways. See them off properly. And that leads to something else. Come on, do you see this or not? That leads to another giant deal. He's walking along with them. And uh, the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? <laughs> what if he hadn't gone with them? Would he have gotten this revelation? Would he have gotten this opportunity? He, he tells him about what's going to happen with Sodom and Gomorrah. And gives him the opportunity to intercede because he's got family living there. Is that right? All this started with a meal. Do not forget it. All of it started with hospitality. It all started with him jumping up and running over and going, hey, uh, stop by. Take a load off. Let me get you some water. Let me get you some food. You remember the, the Shunammite woman? The prophet used to come by, you remember. After a while, she told her husband, you know, he comes by here regularly, uh, you know, because they didn't have hotels and stuff in those days like that. And he said, let's build onto the house. Well, that costs money no matter what century you live in. Is that right? Let's build an addition onto the house and let's furnish it. Let's get him a bed and a desk and some chairs and some things so that when he comes in, he'll have a nice, quiet, restful place. Is that right? Yeah. Next thing you know, what happens? They didn't do it for the ulterior purpose. They just respected God Amen. and the things of God. And they wanted to help the ministry and what was going on. And, and he says, tell her to come in here. She winds up getting the child she couldn't have. Is that right? You will see, when you start recognizing it, looking for it, you'll see it all over the word. Not that you could buy a blessing. You can't. But it's just your heart has to be a certain way to receive. Come on, can you see this? And selfishness will block your blessing. Being so self-entwined, self-engulfed, you know, it'll, it'll keep you from even seeing what you should do and what if uh, Sarah was in there crying her eyes out because she never had a child of her own and Abraham's become a bitter old man now? Then you would not notice somebody walking by on the street. Yeah. You're too self-absorbed. Yeah. You're too choked on your own unhappiness. And that's what the devil tries to do with everybody. But we are not ignorant yeah. of his devices 
And we're not going to sit around the rest of our life thinking about ourselves. That was too weak. I said, we're not going to sit around the rest of our life thinking about what I don't have, what I can't do, and nobody will help me. Well, hey, sowing and reaping, brother. Who are you helping? Huh? <laughs> Who you been, what help you been sowing? No. And people don't owe you things. God himself don't owe you things just because you exist. But he is so kind. If you listen to him, he will give you the desires of your heart. Can you say amen? amen. Go to Psalms in closing, I think. Well, I don't want to guarantee it. Because then I'd be telling something that wasn't right. Psalm 37. Do you remember what happened with Job? How his terrible ordeal broke? Those who studied these writings and things, they, they think the whole story of Job, his trials and tests happened maybe a year or less or a year and a half. He had a bad year. Is that right? You hear people talk about, I guess I'm just like poor old Job. Well, we ought to shout then. Because he wound up completely free and a multi-billionaire. Right? You don't live where he lived in a year and a half forever. That's not the end of the story. He had a rough year. Bad year. Hard year. We won't get into the reasons why. But do you remember when it broke? Huh? Job 42.10. 42.10 says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when, so this is when it happened. When he what? Can, can we put it up? Job 42.10. The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he what? Laying and crying, feeling sorry for himself? No. No, he prayed for his friends and while he was focused on helping them and loving them and getting their answers, his captivity shifted. Glory to God. While he was praying for them, the thing broke and shifted and God turned his captivity and gave him twice as much as he had lost. Woo! Glory to God. Selfishness is the enemy. Self-focus is the trap. It'll make you miserable. It'll keep you from your answer. It'll keep you from your service. If you want to get from where you are to where you need to be, look up. Who can I help? Oh, y'all didn't hear that. Who where am I supposed to be working and helping? What can I do? Get, get up. Get your mind off yourself. Quit crying. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Who can I help? There is something you can do. Is that right? I, I, the Lord told me, excuse me, this testimony came one time years ago. I thought that's the most amazing thing. This woman was, uh, she was, um, tied to a chair. She couldn't leave the house. 
And, and she began to see these things in the Word of God. And she said, God, this is not enough. Me just existing in this house. I, I want to do something. I want to help the church. I want to, what can I do? She couldn't leave and do anything. Couldn't drive, couldn't do anything by herself. And the, uh, she said, please show me. And the Lord said, you see all these magazines and all these publications she had around the house? Uh, she said, uh-huh. He said, she said, she don't, she don't have any money to give. He said, uh, coupons. She said, coupons? And she went through, she's got all this time. She made file folders for each family in the church. She clipped coupons and clipped coupons and clipped coupons and she's saving every family in the church. And she got her joy back. Hallelujah. Why? She's being of use. She's being, it's what you were made to do. You were made to do this. Made to be this. And what happened with uh, Abraham and Sarah, that is what the scripture says in Psalms here. Psalm 37, 3 through 5. Trust in the Lord. And people stop right there. <laughs> Just trust God. No, there's another phrase goes with it. <laughs> trust in the Lord and what? Good. Do good. Do good. Galatians in the New Testament says a very similar thing. Galatians 6.10 says, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all men, but especially those who are the household of faith. Isn't that to say, well, God never changes. That's what Abraham was looking for, an opportunity. and He seized it. Nobody's making him do it. There's no grudging. And one of the great things about being rich is you got more time to do things like this. And you got more money to underwrite it. Huh? And if you're not having to work three shifts, and you can get up in the morning and go, okay, God, we're going to have some fun today, right? Helping somebody. Where you want me to go? What you want me to do? Who can I help? And if you're willing and you're available, all oh, the miracles, he will, the connections, the direction, orchestration, he will have you in the right place at the right time and you'll realize, okay, I can do this. I can help. I can help fix this. I can be a part of this. And it will make you so happy. It'll make you so happy. It will fulfill you. And then you'll sense God's presence increase his manifested love and you'll sleep like a baby and your ulcers will be healed and you won't have headaches anymore. I'm telling you. You won't need the, the drugs, anti-depression drugs anymore. And you won't spend too much money sitting there watching the shopping channel. <laughs> Getting in trouble with your spouse and everything else. And it'll just be so much more better. Psalm 37, 3, trust in the Lord and what? Do good. You'll dwell in the land and you'll be fed. Delight yourself in the Lord 
And what will happen? Now, see, you can't just pull this out away from the rest of it. You're trusting in God. You're doing good. And you're delighting yourself in the things. Not just dragging through, making you, you, you want to do it. You're happy to do it. You're glad to do it. You're like Abraham. If Abraham can run out and Sarah can hurry up and cook a meal when they are this old. Come on, is that right? You and I can perk up. Why don't people show the hospitality? Because it interferes with your life. It interrupts your schedule. It takes time and effort and money. But it's the key to you getting your joy fulfilled and your peace back. But more than that, did you see what happened at the end of the meal? Huh? What they've been standing believing God for decades happened. Woo. Somebody say, I can do this. I, I can do that. Delight yourself in the Lord and what will happen? He will give you the desires of your heart. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, somebody say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Let's praise him for a bit. Just, just lift up your hands. Lift up your voice. Thank you, Lord, I have a life to give. I have strength and resources. Thank you, Lord. 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 Yes, Lord, I'll, I'll tell that too. Uh, the Lord reminded me there was another story similar to the, the beans. Uh, Phyllis and I had made some financial mistakes, gotten behind, and this is after we'd gone to Raymond, gotten into the ministry, and, and the Lord showed me what to do and how to make the corrections, and I won't go into all that, but uh, one of the things was selling stuff, getting out of debt, not going to eat out so much, increase your giving. Are y'all here listening? Uh, and, and so we did. And so I actually rode with Phyllis. Somebody had given her a car, and mine had some debt on it, some big payments. So I, um, I sold it. It was only three months old. Took a beating on it. But the Lord dealt with me. That's what you do. And this is what he said to me. He said, son, you're not at that place yet. He said, I don't care if you have five of those. But you put that ahead of your giving. And you found out after you made commitments to that that you didn't have enough to give. And so, anybody know what the key to, to prosperity is? Seek ye first. Right? And again, see, that was us seeking our own life. And that's how we got behind. So for two and a half years, I rode with my wife. She had a job too. And so a lot of times I'd have to wait till she could come pick me up. It was a good practice and patience. And because I'd had a car since I was 13. We grew up in the country, you know. 
And uh, so finally, we got our giving right. We were, we, we were tithing like we should have been. We were uh, partners with ministries like we should have been. It was priority. It was first. And the Lord helped us. In that, in that month and a half, we paid off $15,000 worth of debt. Not, not month, a year and a half. Year, first year and a half. We paid off $15,000 worth of debt. And then by the, the next time, the next year or so was over, we were in good, shape, good enough shape for me to get a car. Not a new one, but a used one. Now, I've always liked something that has some power. You know, I don't like it. When the light changes, you press your foot, you have to count to three before it moves. <laughs> yeah. I like something that shakes windows and scares children. <laughs> Pardon me, but I do. And so I, I found a used Corvette at a decent price. And it was bright yellow and it had a six speed and some power and it was used, but it was nice. And we got it. Well, a brother friend of mine at the town had to go a state over to get it. And, and, and a brother friend of mine, pastor, he found out that I was coming to get it. And I didn't realize it, but unbeknownst to me, he made plans. And when I got to the dealership, he was there with his boys, with his wife, and had me a Corvette jacket he had bought. <laughs> and I said, brother, it is, is, is brother uh, Crank from up in St. Louis, his pastor, his son's pastor in the church now, and uh, David Crank. And so uh, uh, he said, you get in your car. Of course, they had brand new cars, uh, but he, he cared about me and he knew a little bit about my story. And he knew now that finally after years, I'm able to get a, a car again. And, and so uh, he said, got you this nice Corvette. It was nice, man. He said, it was a little cool if it was a cool day. And so, man, I slipped it on. I'm feeling good. He said, we walked over. He said, is this it? I went, yeah. Of course, he got, they got a lot more money than we had back then. And, and uh, brand new, he, he drove up in a brand new Cadillac. And, and this is a several-year-old car. He said, whoo, that's nice. He walked around it. And, and uh, we were just taking delivery. All the financials had been done. And, and he said, can you come over to the house? And I said, yeah. He said, come over and have lunch. And I said, okay. And so he had a big shop that he had built. And we pulled, it, we pulled up. He said, no, they opened the door. He said, pull in here. They had prepared a place for it with the lights. And we're going to have lunch in the garage. And, uh, and we had, his wife had made some real nice sandwiches. And we sat down and, and we pulled it up. And, and uh, uh, he said, okay, boys, come get your stuff and wash and wax this car. And, uh, and I, I got up and started to help. He said, oh, no, sit down. That's what I made these boys for. <laughs> I said, okay. And so we sat there and ate our sandwich and, and drank iced tea. He said, man, that's a nice car. Whoo, would you look at those lines on that? And how much power? And he just made a big day out of it and a big deal out of me. Well, that was decades ago. I remember it vividly. Can you see this? Is that hospitality? Yes, Is it love? Yes. It's, it's not just a car or a sandwich. Is that I'm sure they had other stuff they could have been doing, right? I mean, as boys or, or older teenage boys, I'm sure they had stuff. But when daddy said, no, come, brother Keith got a car. Yeah, that's 
We sat there and watched them wax every inch of that car until it shined like new money. And then he hugged me with my new jacket. He said, man, enjoy your car. And we drove home. Now that ain't prophesying. But it's God. Come on, can y'all see that? That's God. Because it's love. And love gives. Pray it out loud if you got it in your heart. Father God, I delight in who you are and what you are. You are love. And you have put your love in my heart. And I will forever be grateful and thankful. It is the key to joy joy unspeakable and full of glory forgive me for being selfish self-absorbed self-interested self-focused I realize now it's the path of misery I reject it it's not what you made me for it's not who you made me to be You made me to give. You made me to love. You made me to serve. It's the only way I'll ever be happy. And I gladly yield myself and submit myself to your love in me. I say with the prophet of old, here I am. Use me. me. Send me. me. Make me a blessing, Lord. Lord. Add to me me. knowledge, Knowledge. understanding, Understanding. resources, Resources. money, Money. favor, Favor. things, Things. and opportunities opportunities. to do wonderful things things. for many others, others. especially Especially. the household of faith. Glory to God. Lift your hands. Lift your voice. Give glory to God. Give thanks and praise to the Lord your God. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord.